The Big Finish podcast has been assigned. Launch date 30th of January 2017. Hi, I'm Nick Briggs, co-executive producer of Big Finish Productions and voice of many nasty things, including your vacuum cleaner. Uh, Joining me via some kind of internet connection, I was going to say Skype, but we couldn't get that to work, although you'd never know it because of the magic of clever remote recording and editing, is my podcast host. He's a fantastic sound designer, a cool dude, and a truly banter-tastic person. Frankly, I could go silent and listen to him for the rest of the day. But then we'd never get through all this hard Big Finish promotion cunningly disguised as harmless fun. Yes, it's Benji Clifford! Oh, thank you very much, sir. Pleasure to be here, Nick, as always. It's funny, actually, um, because I had, this, I had an introduction planned for you, and I literally got trumped. Not not Donald Trump. I got trumped by the fact that that it actually turned out to be true. I couldn't believe this is the power of Big Finish. I was going to do this big thing where I was going to say, uh, you know, down in the depths of the land of fiction, I have finally found out the identity of the mysterious <laughs> carcass. To which I double checked that it was carcass because obviously I don't want to get this thing wrong, and it was. And then I looked, and what did it say? Main voice actor Nicholas Briggs, and so I literally got trumped by Nicholas Briggs, who actually is the 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 identity of the carcass. So there we go. That is my funny. You've frozen again, Nick. Yes, and I couldn't hear you for most of that. Hello. 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 We're broken up again. Um, shall we shall we go old school and just just do telephone? Hello, <laughs> hello. Can you hear me? All right. I can hear you. Yeah. Marvelous. What? Who would have thought it? Not all right. <laughs> <laughs> and it falls to me to remind you, dear listener, that we at Big Finish are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audiobooks. Such things as dreams are made of, like Doctor Who, Blake Seven, Torchwood, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, Frankenstein, H.G. Wells, The Avengers, Survivors, The Omega Factor, The Prisoner, and so much more. Take a gander at bigfinish.com. You're gonna love it. Coming up in this podcast, our usual mind-blowingly exciting formula of news, emails, and a guest star interview, uh, the Randomoid Selectatron, and a roundup of the latest releases. Along the way, there'll be trailers, top-secret revelations, and clips, but mostly a lot of vocal nonsense emanating from the region of our mouth holes. (laughs) Apologies in advance, but uh, some people like it. Maybe you're one of them. Who knows? Um, following my roundup of the latest releases, our little tease for you will be a teasing chunk from the free Doctor Who short trips download Forever Fallen by Joseph Wanisco, featuring the seventh Doctor and read by me. It is the winner of the Paul Sprague Memorial Short Trips Writer's Opportunity. Exciting stuff. And as the embedded image and the title of this podcast will have already revealed, our guest star this podcast is Camille Kaduri, who played Jackie Tyler, Rose Tyler's mum, in the ninth and 10th Doctor Adventures on that their television series they call Doctor Flippin' Who. And she's a lovely lady. I just want to mention for the listeners, not that it'll be of any relevance really, but um, we've been having so much trouble communicating off the internet, you and I, haven't we? Oh, it's just, it's just been crazy. Right, right now it, sort of so- it sounds like we're on opposite sides of the world, doesn't it? 
of t- yes well i i think you sound like you're on saturn we're actually now speaking via telephone <laughs> We've gone old school. We've gone old school. But but <laughs> Roger, Roger. But uh, by the virtue of recording separately, we should be okay, shouldn't we? Oh, it should. It will sound crystal clear. It's just it's the magic of uh, of telephones, as they always say. It may not be the most exciting medium of communication, but it works. <laughs> I don't think they ever say that, but I, no, I like no. to think that they do. Yes. Um, I was saying, uh, I was talking about Camille, wasn't I? Who's absolutely lovely, who I remember from the days of when, uh, you know, um, Christopher Eccleston and then David Tennant were Doctor Who and I went down to Wales to do all the filming and Camille was sort of part of the gang and, you know, it was, it was great fun hanging out in the hotel and everything and I had an opportunity, a top secret mysterious opportunity to be in her company uh, recently and so I did a lovely little interview with her. That's consider that interview teased, suitably teased. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it already, actually. And moving on with the swiftest of swiftiness, it's time, Nick, to go to the max. This is the big finish news. going to make a, uh, a a whizzy sort of sound but actually we've already got it in our ears so i don't want to hear any more <laughs> <laughs> so yes uh, we have gone to the max we're here for the big finish news and the world beyond the trees that's the title of a doctor who short trips audio download coming out on the 30th of january which could even be today Yes, Nicola Walker reads the first Doctor Who short trips of the year, written by Jonathan Barnes, who's a fantastic writer, done loads of stuff for us, writes all our Sherlock Holmes stuff, so I'm very, very familiar with this work. He also adapted, uh, well, he's adapted The Invisible Man, and he adapted Frankenstein and Dracula, didn't he? Anyway, this short trip features Medtech Livchenka, who was introduced in our seventh Doctor follow-up to Robots of Death, Robophobia, and and she now appears as a regular companion of the eighth Doctor, having joined him in Dark Eyes 2 and is still travelling with him throughout the Doom Coalition's uh, stories. Absolutely love Livchenka, so here we go. Medtechchenka is alone. No Doctor, no TARDIS, no Molly O'Sullivan. But the strange environment she's stranded in is about to get even stranger. We've lived the only one who can help out. There's a message here for her and for someone very far away. Here's a snippety snippety snippet of that. Hi, Dad. This is me. This is Liv. Of course, I know you'll never get to hear this, but you see, something's happened. Something which made me think of you. So much has changed since we last spoke, too hurriedly and too late. There's so much I could tell you, if only that were possible. Nixis 7, the Lorelei, the horizon at the end of the universe. But none of that's important, at least, well, at least it's not important now. You'd find this all far too vague, I know. I can imagine you peering at me over the rims of those glasses I was never sure you really needed and saying encouragingly, come on Liv, deep breaths, arrange your thoughts logically, place them in the best order. So, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Just the way you taught me. 
I'm going to tell you exactly what happened, sensibly and calmly, and with a level head. I woke up a few days ago from a dream of unusual clarity. It was vivid and precise and almost not much like a dream at all, more like something delivered from very far away directly to my imagination. The doctor was in it, and he was standing in a rose garden. The doctor's a handsome man with close-cropped hair, and I suppose there are plenty who think he was dashing, even romantic. But not me. He's changed, you see, since I've known him, the first time we met. He's altered so much, and I know he's so much more complicated than he seems. She's brilliant, that Nicola. She is brilliant. Amazing. Uh, We're very lucky to have her on board. Yeah. And remember, you can buy The World Beyond the Trees, download on its own, or subscribe to the entire run of 2017 Doctor Who short trips. Check it out at bigfinish.com. And when you've bought it, you can listen to it on the Big Finish app, which is available on Apple, iOS, and Android devices, but not Kindle or Amazon stuff. We don't know why. They won't tell us. They just send us a lot of filibustering standard emails which don't uh, address or explain anything or answer any of our queries. Not very friendly of them. Still, thank goodness they sell our stuff. (laughs) Thanks for that, Amazon, at least. Yeah, they're lost. They're lost, Nick. That's the thing. Probably still want to sell them on cassettes. Um, Anyway, the... Well, yeah, yeah, because the reviews, the reviews on their site just say, why can't I use this on my Kindle Fire? (laughs) This is terrible. This is rubbish. (laughs) Yes, just one wonders how come those reviews are being posted. Anyway, if, any, if anyone wants to put a nice review of the Big Finish app on the Amazon, Amazon the Amazonism, please, 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 it's, it's a new character. I feel like I'm in a Warner Brothers cartoon. <laughs> but that's what reminded me of it with that. Uh, I thought, yep, this is it. So, yes. <laughs> yes, that's Jawharp Jeff, everybody. The very sad news of the death of Sir John Hurt was released after the recording of this podcast and during the editing process. It's left many of us here at Big Finish deeply upset at the loss of a truly great man. His last work for us was The Invisible Man. Here's the trailer. The stranger came early in February, one wintry day, through a biting wind and a driving snow. The Invisible Man. You theorise away. I'm going to ask no more questions, but only take his money. I am an experimental investigator. I do not wish to be disturbed in my work. I'm interested, I suppose, in light. Where the devil are you, sir? I'm standing before you, man. Inches from your face. Come, let us shake hands like gentlemen. I do believe he'd already started to unravel. Even then. Please! (laughs) He's gone mad! Everyone! (laughs) The invisible man's gone mad! It's too late! 
too late for you all. I am now amongst you. Dear God, dear merciful God, defend us. All is darkness now. Darkness rising. Of course, John was stupendously brilliant in the title role. And as you know, we were lucky enough to have him play the War Doctor for us. Here's a trailer for his final War Doctor box set. The War Doctor. You are this doctor. Why should I trust you when you have caused me so many deaths? We must have confirmation of the Time Lord's destruction. You're not a violent man. If you think that, then you don't know me at all. Just be quiet and I'll do my best to forget about you. We have your ship and we will kill you all if you do not let us pass! We surrender! They've won! The Daleks have won! Exterminate the Doctor! The Daleks have defeated us. A greater evil even than the Daleks. My people and I are needed to stop it. We can't risk losing the TARDIS. It came out of the walls. Out of the walls? The indefatigable spirit of the Doctor. Velvet skies. Cascading light. Patterns in our thoughts. Laughter, sadness, tears, joy. All echo in darkness. Let your imminent destruction prove a deterrent to others! This will be the planet of the Daleks. 10 0 11 0 0 by 0 2. The location of Gallifrey. How did you manage to activate your TARDIS? I'm a warrior. Just like the rest of the Time Lords. I've just been listening to the final edits of that and it's sounding superb. I hope you'll forgive me the indulgence of a personal statement here. We'll be talking about the lovely John Hurt a lot more in next week's podcast. But I just wanted to explain that today, Saturday the 28th of January 2017, I woke up to that terrible news that John Hurt had died. It's a peculiar thing that we humans get all strange, confused and awkward about death. And many of us, including me, struggle to know what's best to say or do. We want to express our sorrow at a terrible loss, and we want to express the joy we felt about having known someone. With regard to John, I'm personally anxious not to say or do anything that might intrude upon the feelings of those who knew him best. In recording this podcast yesterday, Benji and I spent a good deal of time waxing lyrical about John, but our overly buoyant tone seems potentially unintentionally insensitive now. Suffice it to say for now that I feel so privileged to have met and worked with John Hurt. He was a lovely bloke. Just lovely. Easygoing, generous, brilliant at his job. And as my good friend and colleague David Richardson has said, it was an honour to work with him. Here's a little clip of John and I chatting for the Doctor Who magazine interview I did with him. John had initially been a trifle reluctant to do this interview, but he paid me the enormous compliment of saying he trusted me to do it. And what about your experiences this week and, and before? You know, any particular things that you want to highlight? No, it's just we got a very dangerous area yesterday to, to having a complete corpse down. Oh, God, yes, we did. <laughs> it got so near, I can't tell you. And I know once I'm gone... <laughs> it takes at least an hour to get me back. <laughs> and I'd nearly, nearly gone. And that hasn't happened a bit. It happened with, with Derek Jacobi, I remember, when we were doing our Claudius. But 
I, don't, I can't remember what it was that made us laugh. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how it happened. Yeah. It's when it happens all together, when the whole cast and the director and the writer <laughs> all at once suddenly are hit with the absurdity of it. Yes. And uh, it just, it was just, it was just suddenly became extraordinarily lunatic I don't know we were all sitting there in separate booths going through this talk I don't know I don't know nearly nearly had us all John Hurt yeah. lovely to hear his voice uh, what a voice I thought I'd just leave Benji's lovely comment in there as I say there'll be lots more on Sir John Hurt in next week's podcast and now, in a change of gear so unintentionally crass that I hope you'll forgive us, Benji and I then went on to introduce a trailer for the following release in our H.G. Wells range. Professor? Fascinating! What on earth was that? Do you know, I've not the faintest notion. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, the first men in the moon. Boy, did you see it? See it, Professor? The sky is black with it. Your house is gone. Welcome, Professor. Welcome to my realm. We are the first, the first of our kind to slip the bonds of our planet and soar into the infinite. The one who rules over us all, the Grand Luna. I am very much afraid that it is preparing, even as I speak, to exact the most merciless judgment upon us all. And so we do what Englishmen always do and have always done. We stand up for our beliefs and we fight for our survival. Prepare our council of extraordinary measures for a meeting most urgent and rare. You think too much about the future. For now, enjoy the present. Relish the moment. And hold on. Big finish. We love stories. There you go. First men in the moon available in March. Now, as you may know, we do a Big Finish listener's offer. The idea is for us to promote a particular story from our archives and reduce it in price. It's normally totally out of the blue and not trailed. But since we love you, our podcast listeners, we're very sneakily telling you that on the 1st of February, our listener's title is Robophobia. We thought this would be a good one since it introduces Liv Chenka, played by Nicola Walker, who, you may remember from just now, is performing our Short Trips release this month, The World Beyond the Trees. Anyway, here's the trailer for Robophobia. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Robophobia. Ah, memory. What? Who the hell are you? Just passing through. It was eventually discovered that the robotics genius Taron Capel had smuggled himself aboard the Sandminer. Assuming the identity of a crew member. So you're saying you don't like robots? No, no, no. I'm not saying I like them or don't like them. Robots! Killing people! This must have been hushed up by the company. Yeah. And how many robots have we got stored on this ship? Oh, 
Hello. Who are you? Oh, I'm just having a look around. What did he mean? A robot interfering? What indeed? What are your orders, Controller? No, no, no. Keep away, keep away from me, from me. Still think there's a murderer on the loose, then? Ever considered that it might have been a robot? No. What is it? Seems the rumours were true, Chief. What rumours? Oh, this is a severed robot hand. And they fought to the last man against the terrible robotic foe. Doctor, will you just stop being mysterious for one moment and tell me what the hell is going on? Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. Ah, takes me back. And that's the end of the news. Beautiful stuff. That's the news gone over the hedge, down the road, into outer space where it's probably got a better connection than our phones. So there we are. <laughs> it says gold here. Uh, news ending gold. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, it was a reference to the fact that it's just pure podcast gold when you talk absolute rubbish about well, oh. it's gone out the door, it's entered a spaceship, it's gone into warp, it's now on Mars. Stopped off Mars at Burger King. In an alternative universe. Big King meal, two, two lots of chips, then it's back on the road, <laughs> down the hyperspace bypass, straight off to Waitrose where it does its weekly shop and is back home in time for EastEnders smashing. So that Now my <laughs> estimation is that the news is not over until we've heard the jaw harp again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, jaw, jaw harp, jaw, jaw harp, Jeff. If you'd like to do the honours, you can also do that. Magic stuff. Love it. Love it. <laughs> it's starting to sound a little bit like a Tomb of the Cybermen. Cyberman. <laughs> yeah, it isn't does, it? doesn't it? <laughs> can I do it? <laughs> you kidding me? I tried to say you will be like us, but it just sounded like... Yeah, I know, but unfortunately you're in danger of losing your teeth. <laughs> anyway, yes, that's the news. <laughs> uh, time now for listeners' emails. Love an email. Love an email. So do send your emails to podcast at bigfinish.com. All the welcome. We try to read out and tackle as many as possible. Don't fax them to us. Uh, and apologies if we haven't got yours yet. So, right. First up here is from Jeremy Bement. Bemont. Jeremy. Who knows? Bement. Bement. I'm going to go with, yeah, Jeremy Bement. I'm just making stuff up now. Bement. 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 Be Could be. Anyway, he's from the Doctor Who panel to panel, the premier podcast about Doctor Who comics. Sounds exciting stuff. Well, there we go. So here is here are his words, not mine. I heard on the Big Finish podcast when Nick was at Chicago TARDIS that Big Finish are going to release a Doctor Who audio based on a comic story. Story? Based on a comic story. As the host of a Doctor Who comic book podcast, this instantly caught my attention. Have I missed any more news about this? And the answer, Jeremy, is no, you haven't. <laughs> Brief, straight to the point, and with a little cackle as well. <laughs> but, but there will there will be some news coming up. But yes, nothing nothing as yet. Um, this from Aaron Klimas, who's an old friend of Big Finish and the podcast. Well, 
now my wife and daughter are upset with me <laughs> because apparently every door in our house doesn't lead to death and we don't need to stop don't move on the tiled part of the kitchen send help Aaron <laughs> <coughs> Yes. Um, well, this is to do with our obsession with death to the Daleks. Yes, well, quite. And it's, it, it comes, it, it's coming to the point now where every little mention in an email will require a half-hour explanation <laughs> as but to it's, what but we're it's going so, on about. But it's so worth it, though. It is so worth it. Stop, don't move. <laughs> That's what John Pertwee says when he sees some tiling on the floor of the Exelon City. Uh, He's a real stickler for detail. He just loves, he, he really loves a good tiling job. Stop that move. I can see the grouting isn't quite right. <laughs> the excellent have never been good at tiling in the city. <laughs> it was a sure sign of the decline of their civilization when they couldn't do the tiling properly. <laughs> Quick antibodies. <laughs> They've come to fix the tiling. <laughs> alert, alert. Excessive grouting. <laughs> You know how bad Daleks are. I know how bad they are going over uneven surfaces. If the grouting had been bad on those tiles, they would have just stopped. <laughs> John Scott Martin in there would have had time to reperm his hair. You know, it would have just been ridiculous. Um, so, yes, uh, and on our randomoid selectatron thing that uh, listener Hannah Newman has uh, created, um, I don't know whether this is explaining anything any better. Uh, she's put a gif on there of Stop, Don't Move. Well, of John Pertwee and Bilal. Well, the third Doctor and Bilal, I should say. I'm saying uh, John, John Pertwee. <laughs> Bilal's a real person. Yeah, yeah. Bilal, Bilal uh, was real. They, they, they actually they got him in from Exelon. <laughs> they, 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 paid, they paid for his taxi. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Which way is the BBC canteen? Well, yeah, apparently Terence Dixon, the script reader, said, Well, you see, I've, um, I've met this little fellow from Exelon, and we, he really wants to be in Doctor Who. So, Terry, I wonder whether you could write an episode about his planet. I just love every time you do Terence Dix. The trouble Dix, is, he brought all those other. Well, sorry. Every time you do Terence Dix, I absolutely love it. Oh, dear. <laughs> The trouble is that Bilal brought, brought all his other mates from Exelon. You know, she is to be sacrificed. Hallelujah! <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, you see, with their bows and arrows and their their paper bag like costumes. How dare you! I love them. My, uh, what's um, what's the uh, I can't, what, uh, what's the name of the Scottish guy in it? The character Galloway. 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 For God's sake, use the bombs! Don't be a Galloway. fool, Galloway. Galloway. <laughs> You're a glory seeker, Galloway. Um, the, the, he's got so many lovely moments. This is now the Galloway podcast. <laughs> this is got so many lovely moments. <laughs> You're listening to Galloway. <laughs> You're listening to Galloway. Um, the my two favourite Galloway things are one when the commander is dying and he tells him that Hamilton has to take command and not Galloway because he's a glory seeker and he'll screw up the mission. And then Galloway lets him die and closes his eyes, doesn't he? The dead man's eyes. He said, "Sorry, sir, 
I didn't quite hear what you said. Yeah. Such a good my, moment, though. And my other favourite thing is that when he's sort of convinced he's an equal of the Daleks, and he's going, and the Daleks are sort of screaming orders, and he's going, "Ah, that's a good idea. One of the things you should do is <laughs> he's he's trying to have a discussion, and they're going, "Your advice is not required. We are in command," you know, and he's kind of going, "Oh well, uh, do you fancy going down the pub later?" And <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> we are in command! What would you like, a pint of shandy or maybe a I'll, I'll, I'll get the round in, I'll, I'll get it in, don't don't worry. So that's not salt and vinegar then? You will be destroyed! <laughs> okay, just peanuts. Sorry, okay, I, yeah. I didn't quite catch like, that. <laughs> As he puts his hand over the Dalek eye. <laughs> I do like Galloway though. I do. I I have to say, oh, yeah. I like I like all those the characters in that story actually. Yeah, they are great characters. Great Terry Nation characters. They really are. So next time you're you're, you're in need of a, a perineum fix, uh, <laughs> Death to the Daleks. <laughs> that was Death to the Daleks half an hour regular slot on the Galloway podcast. So yes, I suppose that we should shuffle onto the next email. Um, which isn't about Death to the Daleks, so I might just replace what? any other title. Buck with up! <laughs> Buck up! More Death to the Daleks. Uh, so yes, Dear Nick and Benji, this one's from Ingrid Warren. Please do not refer to the 1939 film of The Wizard of Oz as the original. The first book of the series was published in 1900, and the first film was released in 1908. It is not even the first musical that was produced in 1902. L. Frank Baum, I think is it Baum? I'm going to go with Baum. I would say Baum, actually. Baum. Okay. L. Frank Baum. We can get Inspector Clouseau in to see if he could pronounce it. Is it a Baum? L. Frank Baum. I've got to go with Baum then. Anyway, him. Uh, well, we look forward to Ingrid rising in again to criticise our pronunciation of L. Frank Baum. Yeah, Baum, Baum, Baum. Baum. Uh, L. Frank Baum mm. went on to write 14 Oz books and Return to Oz were based on books two and three. It was Baum who created the wheelers that traumatised Benji. There is plenty of material out there for Big Finish to adapt, hint, hint. They adapt the wheelers. I will never listen. I will just... Actually, I probably will, and I'll just cower in a corner for eternity. Uh, I recently you'll get the job to do the sound design. Oh, don't! Yeah, <laughs> we've we've got a lovely job for you, Benji. Yes, only the wheeler scenes. <laughs> just sitting there crying. Could you do a wheel? Someone else is doing the story, but could you do the wheeler sound effect? <laughs> just there. No, please, anything but that. I'll, I'll do Big Finish's Neighbours adaptation instead, but not the wheelers. Um, <laughs> Big Finish does Brookside. Um, yes, uh, I recently purchased uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz as part of the 12 Days of Big Finishmas. I bought a number of things from those offers, so haven't have yet to listen to this particular one, and I'm looking forward to it. Keep up the good work on a podcast. They should come with a health warning. I cannot drink whilst listening to it because I genuinely laugh out loud so much. You think that's bad? I, I knocked over a cup of tea before I even started today. That's that's the power of the podcast. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, not not. We were slightly delayed because of that. Uh, yes. Ruddy tea. Uh, yes. P.S. Having confused Benji with my last email by spelling out all the punctuation, I decided to make this one easier for him by leaving out the punctuation altogether. I noticed that. I thought. I did think that. I thought. Yeah, there's, there's no full stops in this one. It's quite interesting, though, that it was very easy to read. What what Ingrid has done has left gaps where there should be punctuation, and you naturally followed those. It's a du- yeah, a, du- a double space has, has seemingly done it. Isn't that, isn't that magical, really? And since since this podcast is now running into the red zone, 
Um, that's a quote from one of my other favourite, much hated Doctor Who stories, Revenge of the Cybermen. Um, uh, finally, this from Harry Smith. And this covers some ground asked about by a number of you, actually. Hey, Nick and Benji, just a quick question for you that will hopefully settle my curious mind. Or take two of these tablets. After the final Doom Coalition, can't wait, and the Time War box set, again, can't wait, is there anything you can tease about the future of our much-loved Eighth Doctor? A reintroduction to the monthly series? A new four-box set storyline? Or something else entirely? Keep up the good work, and all the best wishes from Harry. Harry. Hello, Harry. Harry Sullivan. You're not uh, an imbecile. <laughs> Well, Harry, the thing is, you see, um, Harry Sullivan, my, one of my favourite characters. Tempted to say, absolute, you know, my favourite, really. Absolutely. Ian Marta, lovely man. Top chap, and we can use the word chap for, for Harry Sullivan, especially because yes. he, he is an absolute chap, isn't he? Have you got a favourite uh, Harry Sullivan line? Favourite Harry Sullivan line? Oh, God, I don't know. Oh, don't put me on the spot oh, like this. My, my favourite one... In Ark in Space, he said, never trusted sliding doors ever since I caught my nose in one at Pompey Barracks. <laughs> <laughs> that whole that whole um, scene in, in Ark in Space with the door, I particularly love that. Yeah. That's such weirdly comforting Tom Baker banter going on, like that, oh, that whole... It's lovely, isn't it? I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't think of a scene... Yellow, black, green. Yellow, black, green. <laughs> <laughs> when he when he's sorting out the life support i've made references to that in so many scripts i've written about yellow black and green wiring for life support and no as anyway look uh, uh, harry we've completely ignored harry smith we've completely ignored your email um and shall i just continue to ignore it no uh, reintroduction <laughs> to the monthly series that's why i selected this email because people keep saying um oh, when's paul mcgann coming back to the monthly range well you know it's been an age since he was in it. And uh, two things. Firstly, he is never coming back to the monthly range. Wow, I know. I can I can hear a surge of emails heading my way. Shocker. Like a thunderous tsunami. Uh, secondly, the monthly range itself, although it will continue into the future for eternity as a construct for those of you used to ordering things on the monthly range um it will no longer in the coming months and years will no longer be used as the major way of promoting the releases for the fifth sixth and seventh doctors we'll be promoting them as in their own range um you still will be able to subscribe to those uh, yearly releases but we are we're changing the way because it just seems odd that we've got this thing that's the monthly range and then we do the eighth doctor and the fourth doctor and the war doctor and the tenth doctor you know all the doctors should be in their own ranges we think just for the sake of our sanity your sanity and the sanity of people coming to big finish afresh i mean imagine trying to explain that to someone what do you mean the monthly range all the others come out every month what does that mean well, it, yeah, do you see what I mean? So, no, uh, the Eighth Doctor won't be doing that. So there will be a new uh, box set storyline, the format of which has not been confirmed yet. Uh, interesting stuff coming up for the Eighth Doctor, though. Definitely. And if you've not got into the, the uh, Doom Coalition range yet, do so, because it's, uh, it's pretty fun. It's a pretty fun little adventure there. I say little, it's huge. It's a massive adventure. 
so yes there we go uh, thanks for that Harry Sullivan um, yes <laughs> so that is <laughs> yellow black green I tell you one of my just quickly I think it was the bit I think it was in Robot where um, the doctor says sounds a bit too much like unsinkable then I think Harry says what's wrong with unsinkable and it's something like I think the doctor then says nothing as the iceberg said to the Titanic gloop 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 that's what shot immediately to the head and also the great Harry Sullivan scene with the mine in Genesis where he steps on the landmine so, sorry I had to oh that's fan- that's like one of my that's a fantastic scene one of my absolute favourite moments because I genuinely I genuinely remember watching that as a kid and like just thinking I have no idea how he's actually going to get out of this one because it was like it was so well done the way he just yeah where the doctor just looks forward and it's just absolute yeah awesome Harry I'm standing on a landmine yes Magic. So yes, uh, th- that was that was the Harry. Sullivan. And I hate I hate the fact I hate the fact that there was no proper leaving scene for Harry. I know what you mean. It was it was it was all very sort of. It just happened, didn't it? Really. Yeah, it breaks my heart. It just sort of. But but at the same time, I mean, his it was all a bit of a around that time. It was all I was going to say, all a bit of a pickle. It's all just sort of. It sort of figured itself out, didn't it? Really, in the end, and and kind of that early. I love the early Tom Baker stuff, but yeah, I would oh, have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen more, more Harry. But such is life, Harry. Sort of a shower scene or something. You mean? Yeah, exactly that. With, with John, <laughs> with John Pertwee. Uh, <laughs> what? Well, he's the only person that showered in the past. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yes, that is. Uh, this is fair. I don't know. Something weird is happening to us now. We're doing this on the phone and can't see each other. We're really meandering. We've, we've, I know you've tried about five times to end the email section of the podcast. Did you want to have another go? Um, yes, I'd like. I'd like to have another go. So uh, that's the end of. The, oh, did you watch um, Emmerdale Farm? <laughs> This is the end of the emails. They're gone, they're finished. I've locked them away in the cage and we'll open the emails in a week's time. Time now for our guest star interview. It's Camille Kaduri, one of my favourite human beings. Uh, I would say we have an ongoing argument about astrology. She is a firm believer in all that stuff. I won't use a rude word. Um, and uh, <laughs> so she saw it. My favourite thing she did, I think she actually does it in this interview where she says, there you are, you see, typical Virgo. And I went, oh, really? Yeah, and I said, yeah, typical. Yeah, I'm a Libran. <laughs> Aha! So anyway, um, had I, I won't tell you why. I'm just creating a big thing about it. Um, but Camille and I had the opportunity to have a chat recently. And here it is. Hello, Camille. Welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Hello, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, yeah, that's all I have to say. Now, what I, there are <laughs> three main things I do in these podcast interviews. Shall I outline them for you? Mm. <laughs> yeah, do. She just flashed no, me I'm a really, really worried look then. Uh, one is, <laughs> the first section is trying to make it all about me. Perfect. <laughs> so nothing I'm not used to, then, darling. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's not the response I was looking for. And As showbiz. Uh, the, the second thing is I ask you what's tingling you about Big Finish at the moment, which probably nothing. What's tingling me? Yeah, tingling your molecules. About Big Finish. 
tingling me, what's tingling me about you and this whole setup? Tingling as in what's turning me on or what's. Tell me, elaborate, expand, see if you play. Um, well, it's based on the, f- the erroneous factual assumption that you will have listened to any Big Finish, which you haven't. I was just about to say. <laughs> Never I was it. just about to say, no, I haven't. I'm so yeah, sorry. It's all right. I've been too busy listening to Planet Rock. What's that? <laughs> eh? <laughs> haven't you heard Planet Rock? No, no, I Utter genius. What is it? Explain what and it is. And the Radio 4 plays, of course. Uh, Planet Rock is a radio station. Oh, yeah. And so um, they play, would you believe, rock music on it a lot. Oh. I'm really into that. Okay, rock music. Mm. That's interesting, that, you Well, see. all music, but... In the afternoon, I like my planet rock, and in the morning, and then I like a bit of London soul for a couple of hours. So I'd, I'm so sorry, I haven't had much time to 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 That's listen fine. to. It's interesting you've encroached upon the third question, which is when I ask people what's been tingling their molecules generally in entertainment. Someone wrote into the podcast the other day and said, "You don't ever mention music." And there you go. You see, psychic. Yeah. I am psychic. Camille is psychic. Oh, and no, she, I actually yeah. am. Yeah. So, yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, God, we'd be dead without music, wouldn't we, Nick? Yeah, why is music so important to us? Um, because it makes us feel alive and it reminds us of where we are now and where we were then and possibly where we might be. It might stop us from going to the fridge, <laughs> snacking. Oh, no, seriously. I'm laughing. Takes you out of yourself. And you're being serious. Sorry. <laughs> it might stop. I, I mean you were talking about the future and then you said it might stop <laughs> us going to the fridge. I was expecting profundity from you. Okay. Oh, I can do profundity. Can you? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's what you see is not what you get. Well, this is true. With you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it back, to the, back yeah. to the first thing about yeah, making it about thing. me. Let's let's do you, darling. When did we meet? Well, you were at the read-through, weren't you? Oh, yeah. For one and in yeah. Cardiff. That's right, because of course you we were. did the read-through for the Dalek one and the one... For Rose and the other one. No, f- yeah, the one where the um, husband dies. Father's Day. That's I'm reminded by a little voice in my wow, headphones. I know nothing. And we did those two together, and I stayed to listen yes. to that one. Being such a fan, I thought, well, I'll have another yeah, episode of Doctor yeah, Who now. Yeah, I think that's when it was, wasn't oh, it? Must have been. Were we? Were, <laughs> were we? Um, were we drunk? <laughs> oh, not at the read through. I no, hope that would be very unprofessional. No. You mean afterwards? Well, afterwards, yeah, because we all were after the first one. <laughs> oh, God, shocking. You're not allowed to say. Well, they plied us all with champagne. Well, it's their fault. That's terrible, because I went up to Mark Gatiss and I um, I uh, uh, put my arm around him and started doing impersonations of one of the chaps in the League of Gentlemen. Did you? And, I, and, and when I sort of sobered up on that three-hour journey on the way home to Paddington on the yes. train, I thought, oh, no. Oh, God, you didn't do that, did you? Yes. He would have loved you for that, though. 
No, he wouldn't. Has <laughs> he never spoken anyway, to you I apologise. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah. then we met on set, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, back to you. Sorry, yeah. Yes, and then, and then me, and then me. No, and, yeah. and you... We met I, on set, yeah. Yes, I and, and you had the doobry, didn't you? Didn't <laughs> I say, what do you do? What are you doing? Oh, my God, you're the voice! <laughs> Is that right? Something probably Something like that. Like We're just that. inventing memories now. <laughs> Tell me yours you then. Were, I think you were in a bikini. <laughs> I totally was. <laughs> As ever. <laughs> I, I re- the first thing I remember about you on set is that you were doing a scene in the TARDIS with Billy where you were talking about... Uh, she was starting to tell you that she saw her dad die and she was the girl you'd seen go and rescue him. And you were going, no, no, and you ran out or something. Right. right? And that was a very relaxed afternoon, right. afternoon, and you yes. two were doing this rather intimate scene, and mm. I was sitting on the TARDIS set watching you. And was that Graham Harper? No, it was... Uh, no. Who was? Oh, Joe. No, Joe was Joe, wow. Yeah, yeah. oh, fa- fantastic. But he was... Um, he gave me this really brilliant note when I kissed um, Sean Dingwall goodbye, when we said goodbye... And I sort of pulled away, kissed, pulled away, and he came up and whispered to me and he said, you don't want to let go, don't let go. And it was so nice to hang on. And you can see it looks good that moment. She doesn't want to let go, so it's quite... I thought that was a fantastic note, actually. Really smart director. Beautiful. He was one for the whispering things, wasn't he? He totally was. I love a whisperer, don't you? Instead of, could you not do that, Camille, please, there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just a little bit of gold (laughs) in your ear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He said to me when I was, you know, Billy did the scene with the Dalek in the cell in that episode, Dalek. I don't Mm. know whether you ever saw it, actually. And she, you know, and he kept coming round to me and he kept saying, make her cry. Make her cry. My God. And it, and it did, and, you and, did. I, just, and I, I just kept being I remember, more, and more oh. pathetic with the way I did it. And then she eventually, a tear came and, you know. Well, I was no, crying when yeah. I was watching that. Fantastic. Yeah, so <gasps> it, was, it was great like that. Brilliant. Mm. It was quite moving. Yeah. I'm a bit choked, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a very emotional person. That sounded insincere, but I am. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, ext- I'm overly emotional. I cry at films. Are you Cancerian? When's your birthday? I don't believe in astrology. Tell me when your birthday is. My birthday is the 29th of September, which is also... Virgo. The f- no, Libra. You're an expert, <gasps> I'm married you? to a Libran. There you are, you see. Oh, they're bonkers and fantastic. <laughs> I love them. They're massive in my life. So, yes. Margaret Thatcher was a Libran as well. <laughs> Thus proving there's no truth in astrology. No. <laughs> Scott Hancock keeps making comments in my ear. I'm not listening. They leave a lot of damage behind, put it that way. Oh, you see. There's always a way of explaining it with astrology, isn't there? Have, yeah. How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> no, back to you. Back to no, you. That's, I'm finished with me now, but thank okay. you. Um, so you've never, you've never listened to a big finish. We've already covered that. But you've, you've done big finish stuff, so, you know... What, I have, yeah. yes. It, it, I don't know. I've missed it, or I, I don't know when, or I think, or I shouldn't. I don't know what's wrong with me, Doctor Briggs. Well, <laughs> I'm but have stupid. you enjoyed the process of oh, doing the job? It's been, ma- it's been magical, actually. Yes, completely. Because 
you're touching base with your family again, aren't you? You know, you and I, we go back years, don't we? We all do. And I love it because I've just peer over the lectern through the pages at you and there's that, and we just do that, the look, the eyes go, yeah, here we are. It's great. I love that. Um, I was really looking forward to today. Oh, me too. Skip down to the tube. Brilliant. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Oh, so nice. So on to general tingling, and it's nearly over now, so don't worry. Um, what What is entertaining? You've already talked about rock music. Mm. What's entertaining you generally, like a TV show or a book or a film oh, or a stage play or anything that's really, you know... Oh, gosh, all of it. I mean, I'm sort of fascinated by my... Uh, my grown-up children's lives at the moment that's quite all-encompassing um i'm sort of obsessed a little bit with trump how that's gonna pan out because that's bonkers insane pinch me in my dreaming oh dear yes this is real and then also um let me just say for the sake of balance other political (laughs) views are available yes oh yes yes they are and then, but also uh, so much, I'm obsessed with film and television. My husband and I are, you know, he's an actor as well. So we are constantly watching something or talking about what we're going to watch. And so we've just done the whole of a fantastic series. Am I allowed to say called Quarry? Yeah, you are. What's that? Tell Quarry me about it. is brilliant. What was it on? How did it's, you get to see uh, it? It was on Sky. Right. I think it was Atlantic. I'm not sure. I can't remember if it's a showtime thing. Um, brilliant, set in the 70s and in America. And uh, uh, just had us hooked, uh, amongst other things. What, what was, was the other thing? Uh, it was about this detective. No, he wasn't a detective, sorry. He... he <laughs> Oh, I'm good, aren't I? Uh, I love this series. I don't know what it's about. I, can't, I love it's dreadful, it, isn't it? But he—that's it. So two soldiers out of Vietnam oh. come back, and then nobody will employ them, apart from a kind of dangerous guy, uh, played by the brilliant Peter Mullen. My name is Joe. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Who. You'd never, li- n- never believe. Never believe. <laughs> I never, never believe he was Scottish. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a Scottish accent does lend itself to American a bit. Yeah. Some of the vowel yeah. sounds are similar. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, uh, it's just different and fantastic. And of course, the young Pope. I was hooked to the young Pope with Jude Law. That was a fantastic piece of television. Wow. Fantastic. Just to that just sky to watch. As well? Yes. Just I've to got watch. Brand resistance to Sky. Ah, right. Oh, I'm such a sort of a TV whore. I'll have anything and everything. I've got it all going on Netflix, the whole... I do Netflix. It's our job, though, isn't it? So that's my excuse, anyway. (laughs) That's why I'm so fat. (laughs) Lots of popcorn with every show. (laughs) Uh, What about movies, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, This is where you have to name some. Oh, crikey. (laughs) So... What's your kind of movie? What's my kind of movie? I love an action movie. So something like Mad Max Fury Road with Tom Hardy, where it's so noisy and loud and brilliant performances. I uh, love that sort of movie. I do... Well, well, all of them, if you like. So an indie, a subtitled, you know, 
but but mostly tastes. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I think uh, I think I do. Horror, I particularly love horror. Do you? Yeah, oh. love horror. I've, I've got really ever since I've had a kid, I'm oversensitive. I can't bear anything terrifying anymore. Oh, Nick, you must face your fears. Oh no, you must. Is that because I'm a Libran? Yeah, <laughs> totally. No, because you see, as a Libran, you shouldn't be afraid. You wouldn't be afraid generally. I spend most of my time afraid. Oh dear. Yes. I'm emotional. That's because you spent years on Blimmin' Doctor Who. That's true. It's I'm, scary. I'm behind the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally believe that. Well, they're terrifying, aren't they, Daleks, Cybermen? Look at them. All the other monsters. What was your f- most frightening monster? What kept you awake at night? As a kid. Yeah, and now? I don't... I'm only frightened by the... Uh, I'm frightened by uh, the idea of, a, <laughs> like, some kind of apocalypse, like a pandemic, you know. Because oh, that and could about be the, real. The disintegration of civilization yeah. and, and people... Armageddon. People being... The, yeah. Well, Armage- could, uh, Armageddon yeah. out of here. Well, that's what I feel about about the future. Mm. Sort of the world we're living in now... Is that really weird? No, no, I think there is that worry. There have been a lot of apocalyptic TV shows, haven't there, like The Walking Dead? and I couldn't yeah. bear that after a while because no. I thought I can't bear to see so many people no. being killed. No, it's horrendous, isn't it? Zombies are so freaky, aren't they? I think I do find zombies quite frightening, yeah. They are terrifying. That's why the Cybermen are so terrifying because they're quite zombie-like, aren't they? They don't feel anything. and Yeah. And so are Daleks in a way. Why do they have to fly? That's so frightening. You see, that's why you're fearful and you don't sleep much or you're, you you can't watch a horror film. I do sleep all right. I can't oh, stop sleeping. That's my problem. Oh, that's brilliant. That's why you look so young. <laughs> oh, Camille, you say the nicest things. I mean that, though. I'm sitting here bald with, a, with a big old white beard. You tell me. I he looks so young because you can't see him, but he looks so young. He's got no lines. No, he looks much younger. Scott's just a hostile look. And hot, he's hot. Whereas when we did the weakest link, he was a bit ratty. <laughs> you were, not you? You was were I, a bit ratty. Was I ratty? Yeah, what? particularly as I was sort of trucking on with my Listen, I answers. No, I, I don't really have uh, um, a competitive bone in my body, so I don't. I was not. I wanted to get out of there. I'll tell listeners the secret that in those no. days I smoked and and I couldn't I was dying for a cigarette yeah. so I needed to get out of yeah. that place yeah yeah no I really I really are the, you really yeah, are you games, being really truthful because I truthful. thought you were extremely competitive that night I really wasn't I just particularly in your blurb after when you talked to the camera and what did I say oh something something a bit ratty <laughs> if I remember <laughs> check it out on the DVD thing yeah, well I, of course Camille it may have been something like that. I, I think you're mistaking me for some other bald, ratty person. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. Oh, no. I, I, as I was going on, I think I said to David Tennant, I've just realised I really hate quiz shows. And he, he looks at me and says, well, what are you doing here then? I said, well, it's mainly the money. <laughs> <laughs> what about lovely Jake? From um, who is next to me? Oh yeah, J- from, Jake. Oh. Jake. 
Duke. Duke. Oh, he's done. That's not his real name, is it? No, the character. Yeah. Andrew Hayden Smith. Andrew Hayden Smith, yeah. Well, I knew that. He's really but, Yeah, he's adorable. And I said to him, I want to, I'm going to be out. And I want, just want to get out. I just want to get out. And he said to me, before we did the next take, he said, do you want to, do you want to go out there and do you want me to vote you out? And I went, no, I'm enjoying it now. Uh, yeah, I mean, you were superb. I wasn't really. I wasn't really. Well, and lucky. But, you know, you, you knew the answers <laughs> to a hell of a lot of things. Well, it's really easy when you're at home. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and friends were saying, oh, my God, the hover spade. He was really, it was so easy. And you think, well, you do it then. You stand in front of Anne Robinson with exactly. the face yeah. and with the lights and all the fans booing when you, you know, vote people <laughs> off. It's not easy. I remember just being, uh, one of my questions was, you know, the answer was tonic after the word gin. And I just, I remember being really pleased that I'd managed to say tonic. Because you're absolutely right. You literally think, I don't even yeah. know my name. Yeah. Yes. What did she say? I can't hear. Someone said to me, you might not be able to hear well because you'll freak yourself out because this is what can happen. I can't remember who told me that. Wow. But they said, but if you touch your lobes a lot and touch your ears a lot, it gives you the power to hear. So I did that a lot. That sounds that very mystical. N- it's nuts. Touch your lobes. <laughs> Touch your lobes. Yeah. Um, mm. And it sort of helped. Oh. Anyway. Well, let's bear that advice in mind for life. Feel your lobes. Feel your lobes. Hear, Face hear your fears. Me. Face your fears. Hear my, anything, any other advice we can depend on? Um, yes. Brilliant. Check that horoscope. I drive my kids mad. I send them their horoscope every day. Yeah. You, well, it, just today you've driven me mad. With... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get on. that. No, I I've, hear loved, you. I've loved every minute of it. It's been so lovely. What's the third thing? Have we done it? Yeah, that, that was, oh, that was that's we... what tingle, tingles oh, your molecules generally. Tingles. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay then. Thanks. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeousness of Mr. Briggs. I'm having that as my ringtone. <laughs> Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for today. Such fun. Huge thanks to Camille. Well, I, I, I'm just consumed with lovely, warm feelings about that lady. She is a lovely lady. I've not met her personally, but from everything I've seen, interviews, and yeah, just lovely, lovely person. Yeah. So there we go. Um, that was that was uh, the interview, and now we move on to the moment which, well, I don't think everybody's been waiting for, but it's it's a it's a moment, and I've loaded up here the randomoid selectatron uh, made wonderfully by Hannah Newman, and it would appear that things have changed. Oh, what has she done? Bilal and the Third Doctor have been replaced by a Tom Baker waving, saying hello there. Uh, and and the hello hello there hello there howdy um and the the words uh, up there have now been replaced to say slick briggs and the fabulous four <laughs> you see what you've done with your ridiculous introduction of me in the last podcast it's wonderful slick briggs the, and the fabulous four it's just a sign that 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 you need a band yeah obviously because uh, i'm such a great singer what would my uh, you know opening um 
a single B, do you think? Probably, probably your rendition of "I want to spend my Christmas with a Dalek." I mean, it's it's an it's an absolute no-brainer, more isn't it? More plum pudding. Have <laughs> some more, more custard. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I played that didn't I, the big finish. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, I, I played that. I, you know, I think I'd be up for doing a, a, a new version of that next Christmas if there are any enterprising um, uh, record producers out there who would like to get into trouble with the BBC. That would be brilliant. <laughs> it would be brilliant, though, wouldn't it? You, you can't say that wouldn't be amazing. Yeah, and if only Top of the Pops was still on, then I could have gone on Top of the Pops, couldn't I? This is it. All the old grey whistle test. <laughs> Which I bought. Oh, I bought an LP have. of that actually today. I this morning I nipped down the record shop. Of oh, the old grey whistle yeah, test. Old grey whistle test. Take two LP. Two pounds. Oh well, the old grey whistle test. For those of you listening from other um, areas of the planet than the UK, uh, was a sort of um, higher brow popular music show wasn't it it was indeed a lot of yeah prog rock and weird stuff on it. you wouldn't you wouldn't find any any pop music on it all be heavy rock and prog rock and strange uh, and and the um what was the the name of the presenter was whispering bob harris wasn't it <laughs> because, because a lot, the whispering often came from the fact that uh a lot basically whereas nowadays you have a lot of presenters for shows in which they they'll open and say you know hello you're here at such and such on the old grey whistle test they had a sort of strange way of doing things where they they they'd open and they talk like this and they'd say hello you're listening to the old grey whistle test today um we've got slick briggs and the fabulous four with their fantastic christmas single uh, i want to spend my christmas with a dalek ha- haunting stuff and uh, i really hope you enjoy it watch out for nicholas briggs there he he's actually playing the the flugel horn tuned down to d <laughs> magic and wonderful wonderful show i always remember i think it was uh, eric idle and i don't know whether it was in uh, monty python or rutland weekend television he did a sort of pastiche of the uh, of the old gray whistle test i can't remember what they called it write in and let us know and and he was just talking like this and he said and welcome to the show and he gave a big introduction at the end of the introduction he said and as usual i shall be talking like this <laughs> <laughs> which really made me laugh as a kid and I think I hadn't even seen the old grey whistle test at that point and it made me watch it because I thought I want to see the man who talks like this but it was so it is like that isn't it it's just very sort of quiet and solemn but I love it but there we go anyway uh, the rand- what have you selected okay well it's the it's gone through uh, and uh, what has appeared before me is Luna Romana Luna Romana. Luna Romana. Yes. Third story in a Companion Chronicles trilogy celebrating the 50th this anniversary. A, this is written by... It's written by um, Matt Fitner, isn't it? It I is. Say that before I get, yes, it was, yes. Okay, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, the Companion Chronicles. Senators, citizens of Rome, women and freed men. I miss being me. Being my original self, the first Romana. So where are we? Rome, Romana. If Greece was the cooking pot of West European civilization, Rome is, at the very least, the fish course. Please take your seats. The performance is about to begin. Romana, the doctor called. Meet Quadriga Stoin, an old 
acquaintance of mine. Doctor, 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 doctor. And the doctor, well, he wasn't what I expected. We present the premiere of Luna Romana. The search for the final segment of the key to time takes the doctor of the first Romana to ancient Rome. The Time Lady is appalled. Romana was appalled. Romana was appalled. He did, you know, when Tom Baker did the Sharda video, <laughs> directed by John Nathan Turner, he's, <laughs> it seemed like every other sentence was, Romana was appalled. <laughs> uh, she's appalled when her companion prefers to watch the latest Plotus comedy uh, rather than complete their mission, and is even less delighted to meet the playwright himself. But all is not what it seems, either on stage or behind the scenes. In the far, far future, the second Romana is destined to have her own encounter with the legacy of Rome. But Stoin has been waiting, and his actions will set Romana on collision course with her own past. Quadriga Stoin wants his final revenge on the Doctor, and only Romana stands in his way. Both of her. Let me in. <laughs> bit, of, bit of heart there. Yes, well, there you are. Um, and the, this whole thing with Quadringer Stoin, he was, uh, this was part of a sort of sequence of adventures uh, in which he was involved, played by Terry Malloy. And um, anyway, uh, Lala Ward was in this uh, with Juliet Landau playing a strange, different Romana. And, and as I said, with Terry Malloy there. Uh, yes, the uh, Quadringer Stoin was involved the, with the the Doctor leaving Gallifrey as well. There's a whole element of that in this interesting sequence of stories. And the cover's really nice, actually. Some lovely Romanesque um, bits and bobs there. So, yes, uh, Luna Romana, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, enjoy it. So there we have it. That's it for the Randomoid Selectatron this week. I've shut the door on it. It's halfway to the moon. I've already done a space one, but we're going to continue. I don't know what I'm doing, but the Randomoid Selectatron is off and finished. I've put it in a blender and I've turned it into orange juice. There we go. It's finished. And so, as this podcast slides down to the death slide of death into a pool of white hot temporal energy that'll turn it into chicken before the egg was it the chicken before the egg the egg before the... don't know give it a strange downy hair all over the earlobes that's right nick has a roundup of the latest big finish releases for us here we go as previously mentioned, The Invisible Man, starring John Hurt, Blake Ritson and Annette Badland. H.G. Wells, ooh, need I say more? Torchwood One, Before the Fall, blooming superb vintage Torchwood action with Tracy Ann Oberman, Gareth David Lloyd and Sophie Winkleman. Graceless Series 4, Kira Jansen and Laura Doddington return as those naughty interdimensional girls. Ew. Peter Davison stars in Doctor Who, The Starman. Tom Baker stars in Doctor Who, The Beast of Kravinos. With Romana K9, Jago and Lightfoot. Yes, the other way around, sorry. And don't forget the Avengers, the lost episodes with Steed and Keel, Volume 7. That's it. Smashing all of that smashing, smashing stuff. Big finish. you got to love it. So there we go. Now it is time <laughs> to say goodbye. 
Goodbye. Goodbye. And it's, I feel it's been a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, a mess. This podcast. But it's fine. Uh, you know. Could I? I'd like to apologise. <laughs> I'd like. I'd like to not apologise actually, because because oh, okay. although it's it's slightly messy. Um, there's some great banter in there. Uh, there's lots of informative stuff. There's there's a jaw harp, the old grey whistle test, whole segments on Galloway, uh, Harry Sullivan, um, grouting, you name it, we've got it in here. So, so yes, it, it might be messy in, in theory, but same time, it's a wonderful mess. Do you think that maybe... Uh, well, we'll leave it to listeners to decide. Should we do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's probably a good idea. You know, are you going to give it five out of five on your podcast review website? <laughs> <laughs> five stars, yeah, five stars. Five stars, yeah. yeah. Love, love that bit about the tiles. <laughs> so there we have it. Right. Oh, uh, and here's me reading Forever Fallen by Joseph Wanisco, but I'm about to say that anyway. <laughs> Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips Forever Fallen by Joshua Wanisco Read by Nicholas Briggs Sean Calvin seated himself in the command chair of his orbital platform. He swept his gaze over his android legions the view screen displaying an image of the colony world below him, the button that would trigger his weapon against it, and a small switch that would activate a microphone. He picked up his script, flicked the switch, and began recording his manifesto. Inhabitants of Elysium 7, a new age is upon you. He paused it, flick. Was one of the androids moving? He rose and peered into the darkness, no, he decided. It was just a trick of the light. Flick. A new age of enlightenment, of peace, of prosperity. An age of... Flick. No, there was someone here. A small figure in formation with the androids. His first thought was that it was a mannequin dressed up on a lark. No sane person would wear that jumper with those trousers. Wondering how anyone could have possibly installed it up here, Sean rose for a better look, and the mannequin doffed its hat to him. He stepped back with a start. Even with the hat on its head, the intruder was a full head shorter than any of the androids. He shuffled closer with a rapid step, using the tip of his umbrella to pick a path through their ranks. He tilted his head to regard the console and asked, you're pre-recording your speech? Sean blinked in surprise, but recovered his composure in time to respond. Yes, I intend to leave nothing to chance. If a risk can be identified, I will control for it. The newcomer barely seemed to be listening as he continued his inspection. This must be your first foray into this kind of thing. You're flouting all sorts of traditions. Why, you have a great big laser and you're not even using it to draw your face on the moon. Sean spent a moment considering that statement, and the small man continued speaking. But it won't work. Sean bristled. Of course it will work. My calculations are flawless. Oh, I'm certain they are. 
And I am equally certain that your apparatus will operate precisely in accordance with its design. The intruder's magpie eyes sought out the block letters that named the machine. The Leviathan, is it? It really is quite a marvel, as long as one evaluates it solely on its technical merit rather than its intended use. But that isn't what I meant. Rather, the consequences of using it will not be as you expect. The prudent response would be to command the androids to seize the intruder, but Sean felt compelled to reply. A good scientist asks questions, and whatever else he was, Sean Calvin was a good scientist. What do you mean? You intend to control the people of Elysium just as you would any other variable. Free will. That's the factor your Leviathan will isolate and remove. Your intentions are noble. You want to bring peace and order to the colonies. You'll plan their lives down to the tiniest details, and in doing so, you will eradicate crime, hunger, and poverty. Art and literature and human dignity, too, but somehow those elements never enter into these kinds of equations. Sean couldn't meet the intruder's gaze. He looked instead at the red button on the console. Now that the necessary preliminaries had been enacted, the slightest pressure would activate the Leviathan. You disapprove? I find it abhorrent. Monstrous. Obscene. Are you here to stop me? The coordinates were locked into place. Nine oblique one, two oblique four, four. He could reach over and end it here. Sean looked at the button. The intruder looked at Sean and continued speaking. I will have to step in if you do press the button, but I don't think it will come to that. Right now, I'm only here to talk. I suspect that you only intend to control them temporarily, just long enough to fix the mess they've made. I'd imagine someone as smart as you are could sort out society's problems inside of a week. But you can't return their willpower when you're done, can you? They'll just make a mess of it all over again. So one week becomes two weeks, three, a month, a season, a year. Then one day, you'll look up, and it will have been a lifetime. And you're controlling an entire generation of children who have never crawled, never cried, never smiled, save at your command. The people of Elysium will have never known laughter or love, but at least their trains run on time. Sean looked up at the intruder's eyes. Instead of the anger implied by his words, there was a profound melancholy of the sort Sean had never before seen. Don't push that button. It's not too late. Please, just step away. Sean's hand hovered over it. What happens then? You let everyone else live their lives as they see fit. And you get to do the same. The hand wavered. But they'll ruin everything. They'll destroy themselves. I owe it to humanity to do this. The intruder shook his head. I think you're being a little hard on your fellow humans. People generally work out their problems. Picture the world that you will create by pushing that button. Do you see it? Tell me, is that the future you want? 
You have two options before you, Dr. Calvin. You know what the right choice is. Sean lowered his arm and let it hang at his side. To be entirely honest, I've had some doubts of my own. The intruder clapped in satisfaction. Wonderful! Why don't you think it over and we can meet up to discuss it? Say, a year from now? I know just the place. By the way, I'm the doctor. Year One The tea house was called The Uncertain Tea Principle, a name Sean found intolerably twee. A silver bell jingled when he opened the door, and he saw that the atmosphere was quaint, and the pretty, dark-haired girl with the doctor looked spunky, which confirmed that this encounter was going to be just as tedious as he had expected. He regarded the café and the girl each long enough to make his distaste clear before sitting down at the unoccupied seat. The doctor looked up, as if just now noticing him. Dr. Calvin, you made it! Yes, he said. Even in Elysium I exist. You asked me to meet you here when we met in my space station, and I was given the impression that this was not entirely a request. The doctor looked offended. Of course it was. I wouldn't spend all that time lecturing you about the sanctity of free will and then coerce you into attendance. I don't manipulate people like that. At a glance from the girl, he quickly added, Maybe the odd nudge here and there. But you made it, and I'm glad. This is my friend Ace. Ace? This is Dr. Sean Calvin, an illustrious scientist. A pleasure. Calvin said, not bothering to feign sincerity. Yeah, sure, replied Ace. The doctor poured tea for each of them. What projects are you pursuing these days? Something important, I'll be bound. Sean looked down at his tea and was glad that he had, because the girl sniggered lightly when he answered. I empty rubbish bins for a living. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's difficult to get a job when your work credentials are attached to an identity you no longer hold. Maybe the doctor smiled sympathetically, but Sean didn't see it. He was still looking at his hands. He was infuriated by the thought that the girl probably had cleaner fingernails than he did. He wasn't meant for manual labor. He was better than this. Give it time, Sean. Time wounds all heals and heals all wounds. Try making friends with your colleagues. See what they do for fun. Sean looked up, eating paint chips and counting their remaining teeth, one presumes. The doctor began speaking, but Sean stood up suddenly. I wish I could say it was a pleasure, doctor, but we both know better. I must be going. You'll cover the bill? A dustman's salary doesn't stretch very far. Year Two One year later, Sean entered the café and saw the pair at the same table, in the very same outfits. The doctor poured out the tea. I understand congratulations are in order. Yes, Sean answered grudgingly. When I started talking to the other workers, 
I learned that the sister of a driver worked at Annika Technologies. She arranged an interview, they recognized talent when they saw it, and offered me a position on the spot. But you still don't look very happy. They hired me as a junior scientist. That's one step up from polishing test tubes. Do you know how old I was when I built my android army? Nine. I designed a truly self-aware artificial intelligence before I turned 13. On my 17th birthday, I constructed the orbital platform and teleported it into orbit piece by piece through a transmat I manufactured from scraps. Do you know what they want me to do now? Assist in an incremental improvement to the colony's hydroponics system. They project a 7.3% increase in efficiency over a five-year cycle. It's an insult. Why? Do you think you could get 8%? Sean scowled. I could get double that, but that isn't the point. Does this mean you'll reject the offer? The doctor asked mildly. No, I'll take it, Sean said. I'm one of the greatest intellects ever produced by the human race. I'm not about to squander my talent. He stood, his tea untouched. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some TPS reports to complete. Year three. Ace spoke when she saw Calvin approaching. Here comes Sourpuss. The doctor offered him a teacup. I read about your work on the irrigation project. Too technical for a simpleton like me. But it must have been exceptional. That's seldom the kind of story that makes the news feeds. Sean puffed up. Thank you. Under budget and already exceeding their most optimistic projections. It's just that... Here it comes, muttered Ace. Yes, said the doctor. My supervisor didn't recognize my brilliance. I was up for promotion and she sabotaged it. Do repair robots really need tank treads? The death rays on this medical drone seem superfluous. No vision at all. She's a plodding intellect, bossy, boring, and entirely too fussy. It's not fair. The doctor spread his hands. Most things in life aren't. As a wise man once said, you get justice in the next world. Sean grimaced. What do you mean? You're talking about some myth of an afterlife? Oh no. Merilega 9. One star system over. They have a terribly efficient justice system. Telepathic tribunals. Computer judges. Very progressive. Cute. Sean looked at the tea, then at the doctor. You're wasting your money on that tea. I do this because I feel obligated, not because I enjoy your company. Do you really think next time will be any different? Hope springs eternal, said the doctor, and emptied his own cup and raised it to Sean. Year four. And just a reminder that you can hear the whole of Forever Fallen. Uh, you can download it free from the Big Finish website. So there you go. Cicero? Yes. yes. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Cicero. I have heard, Marcus Tullius, that you are a lawyer of considerable talent. He is. Then you are also my last and only hope. An innocent man stands accused of murdering his father. What's this man's name? Sextus Roscius, 
the younger. My father and I were on good terms, yet you stand accused of murdering him. We were 60 miles apart the night he died. These are violent times, and I have seen men far more timid than him turn savage in the right circumstances. It's a very straightforward case. Really? Of course. Roscius hated his son. The feeling was mutual. That family, that bad seed, Cicero. The father posing as a friend to the consul while double-dealing behind his back. The son posing as the noble heir to his father's fortune, all the while plotting his demise. Bad seeds. You know, I don't think anyone would blame you if you were to quit this case. <laughs> blame or mind? What do you mean by that? You seem a bright young man, Cicero. I would hate to see such talent squandered on such a hopeless case. The embarrassment, the shame of it, would hang around your neck forever. I'm certain of that. Big finish. We love stories. It was staring us in the face, Quintus. This whole time it was staring us in the face. 